0: Right. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the RevOps podcast brought to you by revenue.io. Hey, you got to write this down. Yeah, no, I'm going to start working that in here. Um I haven't introduced you yet. Be quiet. Um, So this week, we're going to do a bit of a special episode. I'm a huge Scott Galloway fan for, for anybody listening. I've talked about it a few times. Prof G. Prof G. I'm a huge fan of the Prof G podcast. And one of the things he does is called Office Hours, where people submit... Audio clips of them asking questions, and he just answers them off the cuff, and they're awesome. And my dream is to get my question featured. Prof G, if you somehow listen to this, please respond to Jordan from Running Springs, California. Um, anyways, <laughs> the, the highest form of flattery is imitation, of course. So we are going to absolutely steal this, talk to our lawyers, but we are going to steal the office hours concept today. Because we've been getting quite a few good questions, and, and we obviously do this week on LinkedIn segment, and we answer one. But I'd like to have a few dedicated episodes to answering more and encourage listeners to send us some more questions. So we're going to do an office hours episode where all of us have questions that we've brought ready to go. We're going to read them off and answer them, and that's going to be the topic for the day. And I'm super excited about that. Are this. you going to
1: introduce us yet, or what? What's going on?
0: Yeah.
2: I, what are we? No
0: introduction. You're your <laughs> Jonathan Stevens and Brandon Redlinger. Go ahead and say hi, guys. (laughs) Howdy. Ha. You guys have both interrupted four times. (laughs) I work so hard on these introductions, you guys have no idea. Uh, (laughs) I I mean, I make them up off the top of my head every single week. Uh, (laughs) So... I'm gonna start because I have two questions, and I know you guys each have one because you're never as prepared as I am. And, that's where I live. and so I'm gonna re- I'm gonna do one of mine, and then and then you guys can do yours, and then I'll do my last one. Deal. Deal. Cool. All right. Question number one from Alex. I'm on the job market and I'm interviewing for RevOps leadership, senior manager uh, slash director level roles. I'm hoping you can tell me what would stand out to you and compel you if you were hiring for this type of role. Which I think is a great question, because we've never actually talked about this. We've never actually said, like, if I was hiring for a RevOps person, here's what I want to see. Here's the background that I want, right? And I obviously have a lot of passionate thoughts about the, the question, but I'd love to hear your guys' take.
1: Uh, well, it depends. That's okay. my answer. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, just stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, I thought you liked that answer. Um, I I do. <laughs> Not for me, thank you. Uh, so, so I, I mean, I think it depends on just the uh, the stage of the company you're at. But if it is like, uh, I, I would venture to guess it is it like an earlier stage company. It's a smaller ish company, um, or or do we think it's a more established company?
0: Uh, he's interviewing, so probably some of the above, right?
1: Probably, probably a little bit of both. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So cover both.
1: Um, okay. So I I do like someone that has a very like a varied background, right? They've done a little bit of this, a little bit of the other thing. You know, maybe they were in marketing for a little bit, maybe they, maybe they were in sales. Because RevOps supports all the different functions, you need to know how all those different functions work, right? Like uh, in in our our episode with uh, Rachel Nezhan, is that did I say that right? I don't know. I, I didn't practice as much as you did. I got it. okay, cool. Great, um, Najad,
0: great episode. Everybody, go listen. Najad, she, she's yeah. a wonderful. She's smarter than the three of us put together. So go listen to that episode. True story. Um, yeah. Anyway, you know, th-
1: yeah, like she's she's talking about, um, um, yeah, b- being able to support all the different functions um, and being able to understand them. Um, before you actually hand it off. So when she's talking about, you know, building her her BizOps or RevOps team, it's like, I want to be able to do this before I can hand it off to someone. And I, I think the same value is um, I uh, enable to, uh, for you to be able to support those people, know what they've done, right? So I, I think, you know, one, that's what I like to look for. And then two, I just like to have good conversations with people during interviews, Um, and I I don't want another run of the mill interview. Uh, Ask me good questions. Ask me smart questions. Know a little bit about my background. Know the company because I'm going to ask you, you know, why Revenue.io. You know what what makes you interested in this specific role too. Like have good questions or good answers for those, and then. Just have good, creative, curious questions. I will judge you based on the quality of the <laughs> questions that you ask me.
0: I will judge you. I will judge you. <laughs> but no, the varied background is super important, right? Especially for a RevOps role, just being able to understand the things and actually show it by being able to speak to it. It's yes. super important. And, and for what it's worth, if I was interviewing for a RevOps role, I would I would think twice if I'm interviewing and I'm not speaking to anybody outside of like the sales umbrella in general. Because if I'm not talking to somebody from marketing or CS as a part of that process, it's probably not really a RevOps role. And they don't really care if I can speak those things. And I'm not going to use those skills that I have. And I want to use those skills that I have. So yeah, varied background, super important. Ability to speak to the roles that you'll be supporting. All of them, all of them, super, super important. Jonathan.
2: Yeah, I I think absolutely what Brandon said, having the ability to speak to the roles and ability just to, to be nimble, to be able to be adaptive. And you can you can find that out in a lot of ways. But I think it's it's really important to just be nimble in what you're doing, not only with the tools, but also with the people that you're with. So that you're working with. Hang on. I fucked up. Let me tell. Let, let me tell you what happened. So uh, Frank was meowing at the door, and I missed the question. And I thought I'd be able to wing it. I couldn't wing it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to text Ariana to t- to grab Frank, and then I totally missed the question. I thought I'd pick up the question through Brandon's answer. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the question.
0: is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yes!
0: Oh my god! Okay. Oh my question. <laughs> Question was for a person who is who is interviewing for senior management slash director level RevOps roles and they want to know what they should include in their resume or in their application process that would make them stand out to a hiring manager. I don't okay. think Bill really Nimble is the thing that you <laughs> think. Yeah, I was I was I was sitting here thinking, is he gonna land this plane or <laughs> No, that plane crashed. Fuck <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that
1: crashed. plane. <laughs> Up in planes. Yeah. Oh, uh. Off
0: the towers, off to a strong start. All right. So,
1: <laughs> so
2: maybe, all right, take it to me again, re- restate the question, and then we'll go.
0: So, question is from Alex I'm on the job market and interviewing for sales ops leadership role, senior manager, director level. I'm hoping you can tell me what what would stand out to you and compel you if you were hiring for this type of role. And sort of the assumption I'm making is he's looking for like, what would I want to see in a resume? What would I want to see in in an application, right? That would make him stand out to get me to say, I want to talk to that person.
2: Yeah. So understanding of the tools necessary for the job, being able to see that you've got a wide tool set under your belt. You've been able to work in different tools, even if you're not going to necessarily work at all of them on a daily basis having an understanding of them is critical to that job also just being able to say that you've managed a successful sales team that you're you've got a sales team behind your back and you're not just coming in managing a sales team for the first time that's going to be big and just a good communicator i think that's one of the most critical pieces of that role is being able to communicate up and down
0: yeah totally like middle management is a hard role, right? You have to be able to communicate upstream and downstream, which is a very specific, they're both very specific skill sets, being able to manage up and manage down and manage laterally. Um, And relationship building and communication super, super important. And, and yeah, like a thousand percent. You have to prove that you can use a tech stack and have successfully ran an operations team before if you're applying for those roles. Because if you can't show those two things in your resume, then then I'm definitely not going to interview you to to do that role. That's that's a thousand percent accurate. Mm-hmm. And so you know, showing that through metrics, by the way, super valuable because that mm-hmm. shows me that you're metrics driven, which is one of my things that you should include if you want to catch my attention is you need to be metrics driven and have a deep understanding of what those metrics mean and if you include metrics in your resume at least I know you're driven and then what, during our conversation I can find out if you're if you have a deep understanding of what they mean and what you would do if they were broken and that sort of thing I can I can put you on the hot seat like I do you guys every week and these poor candidates, man, they have to deal with that. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what they're. This is this is it. This is their life when they're interviewing with me. But I love the answer, Jonathan. So and being
2: able to kind of speak to challenges too, I think, is important. To be able to be humble, be able to say yeah, own, what, own you've, some what you've learned. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Like hey, own some failures. Like that shows leadership to me. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're like hey, I tried this and it failed, <laughs> like, great. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Like that. Yeah. That's. Tell me that. Like, that's that's wonderful. What did you learn from it? What did you do differently after the fact? What will you do in the future when you come across that same problem? Those are the things I want to know. I want to know those failures because that shows leadership. It shows growth. And that's the person I want to work with, right? Yeah.
2: To me, that's more important than anything because it shows that the person can adapt and they don't
1: buckle under pressure and they yeah. don't buckle when they fail.
0: A desire to learn all the time, right? Right.
1: Totally, and and by the way, it, when when I interview marketers, I, I look for stats too. Like, show me stats, show me figures. Yeah. It's not just RevOps roles, right? But I think it's especially important for revenue operations or marketing ops or sales ops or whatever. Like, yeah, like what percent increase over what period of time? You know, how big of a team did you manage? Like, how many? Did, like, what whatever that is. Yeah. Like, I, I want all of that in your resume.
0: Totally, and the, so so things that I include in my answer are. Uh, Salesforce and tech skills, super important, obvious, right? Everybody should know that. Um, enablement background. If you have a background actually teaching people things, to me that shows that you have great communication skills and great leadership skills, because enablement's a very hard thing, and if you have any experience in that, it's wonderful. Business analytics, metrics-driven and understanding of the metrics, experience supporting reps and multiple teams and, and diverse reps, so like CSMs, AEs, marketers across the board, I wanna see that you have that experience working with multiple functions. So that goes back to Brandon's point, the varied piece. Um, and then leadership and problem solving. I, honestly, problem solving to me is like kind of the number one thing. If, if you're a problem solver and you're missing some of the other things, that's not a problem because you'll solve it, right? Like that's, it's that simple. Um, and Alec, our producer – put this little sweet sweet nugget in the chat which is jam pack your resume with buzzwords to get past the ai screening filters it's all downhill from there
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's some truth you're
0: not you're not totally wrong there's a lot of white space (laughs) on that resume where some white words will get picked up by that ai that's That's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying
2: shows shows an an understanding of the
0: technology let's say that
2: yeah i think on the enterprise side you definitely need some some words in there that'll get you past the first screening but Smaller companies maybe don't have and, that And
0: typically, yet. just so people know, the words that you want to include are probably included in the job description. On
2: the job description, mm. exactly. So, so you exactly. might want to
0: mirror those buzzwords a little exactly. bit. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty easy pro tip.
2: Yeah, there's a fine dance because some people will just look at that job description and write a custom resume each time per job description. I don't know if I'd go that far. I'd just try to make... The best resume you can that will encompass a lot of the job descriptions you're at.
0: Skill, skills section is a really powerful thing on a resume because mm-hmm. you can change the skills section with buzzwords really rapidly to make it get past that filter for sure. sure. Yeah. Cool. I love the answer. All right. Well,
1: let's go next. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, I got a question from James. It is account-based marketing related. Well, it's an account-based marketing question, but uh, it, I mean, it, I think it applies to revenue operations uh, strongly. Um, okay, my organization is just getting started with account-based marketing. I know one of the first steps that you strongly advocate for is doing targeting accounts correctly. So, uh, how do you target the right accounts, right? Mm. Um, uh, the, the internal debate that we are having is, should I go after the accounts that I want to close, or should I do a lookalike audience for the accounts that we have been closing? So I think that the question is, like, do I just put a, a wish list together? Yeah, right? or, do I actually use, uh, right.
0: or do I actually use data to inform whether or not I'm targeting the right accounts? I right. think we have a pretty strong answer on this one. <laughs> I use the data-driven accounts, a thousand percent, right? And, and like, Here's the thing, though. I, I would put a caveat on this because, first off, if you have this question, go listen to the John Miller episode because he answers this question like <laughs> mm-hmm. a thousand times in way better ways than the three of us can. The guy is a legend. Um, sec- second, use the data-driven accounts. Absolutely use the data-driven accounts. But there is a caveat, and it's an important caveat. Reps like to target a couple of big, sexy logos, and you should let them target a couple of big, sexy logos even if the data doesn't support it because, one, that makes them feel empowered and have control over their own day-to-day, which is really important for sellers. And, two, they might get one. They might might get one of those or one of those accounts might get warm enough to be in your ABM list, and that's going to be great for you as a business because they can prove – that, that you can go to different segments, you can go upstream into different enterprise things. Like maybe all of your data supports only SMB, but you want to let a couple reps go after enterprise, and maybe they can show you that in the future your data might support enterprise a little bit better, right? So, so I would say it's it's I'm mean, gonna it's it's not that it depends. This is a one time thing. What I'm exactly. saying it does not depend. Use all the data, all of your accounts. If you're choosing hundred accounts or eight hundred accounts, whatever that is, use all of those accounts, and then give reps the leniency. To target five more on top of that. Let them pick five of their wish list accounts that they think are great. And they might have relationships there already. There's things you don't know about. There's intangibles that go into that process for an AE that you don't want to limit. You don't want to put them in such a narrow lane that they don't feel like they have autonomy over their own territory and segment. So let them do it. And and embrace it. Like, honestly, even put marketing budget against those if you can. Like, why not? Just include them in your overall ABM strategy. Mm-hmm.
2: I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think not only from the fact that it, it helps with the motivation, but also it just it helps to diversify. If you put too much of your energy into one focus, you may be missing a whole other industry that you could be targeting that you're not. So totally. you always want to at least have a few outlier variables that you go after to see if they can become part of the focus target group.
0: Totally. And the other thing you can do, and we... I'm going to, like, sort of spill the beans here on, on us internally. I don't think any of our AEs listen to this anyways. If they do, they'll message me probably after this. <laughs> but if you, if you say, hey, we want we to ABM, we're going to do 800 accounts because we've done our capacity planning. Again, go listen to the John Miller episode. He walks through how to capacity plan for ABX in a very powerful way. Um, if you're going to do it and you say, hey, we're going to do 800, pull 1,200 and ask your reps to pick the ones they want to target because because you have 1,200 and if you let them pick those 800, that's a lot of autonomy. And they also know things that you don't know and the data doesn't show, right? Intangibles are still a really powerful thing on top of that. So it's a really easy way to give reps the like some autonomy over their own workflow and let them sort of choose what they want to target, which will still result in the same thing you still have your 800 accounts and they're still of the 1200 that you think are great so you're not down anything
2: and then bonus your reps are going to be more motivated because they feel like they had more control over what they're going after as opposed to just being directed down hey go after this exactly
0: suddenly abx is a purely collaborative process because marketing is working on it sales is helping choose accounts like everybody's been building it together from the ground up and it'll be more effective as a result
2: yeah and then there's no oh marketing picked these that's why it's not working or sales picked these that's why it's not Working, I mean, I'm still
0: know? gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> kidding, kidding. I've never said that. I've never said
1: that. <laughs> yeah, and, and that 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 last point is exactly actually what I what I told him. It's like so. I actually I actually wrote a blog post on the demand based blog. Um, I, I think it's like uh, how to ABM like a boss part for targeting accounts or something like that. And I had laid out exactly what we do. And, and we, we do start with a close one analysis, right? Um, I want to understand what, uh, like what are those things um, that make a company a good a, uh, profile for us? And then let's start to layer on uh, things on top of that, like you know, uh, intent in target accounts out there, uh, first party engagement data. And then, like you said, Jordan, uh, I want to also layer on intangibles. So maybe my executives c- connected with their executive. Yeah, or, You know, like th- that is super powerful. Right. And then uh, I, I weight those, I score those, then I stack rank them from 100 down to whatever the bottom score is. And I say, okay, sales, you actually get to choose, you know, five, uh Damn, what did John call it? Uh not tier one, tier 2 Oh, uh, one to one, one to few, one to few thank you. It's like oh, five, one to one. Yeah, at the yeah, at the <laughs> time we were still doing tier one, tier two, yeah, tier yeah. three. <laughs>
0: One of, one, of, one of us paid attention on that podcast. <laughs> one, of us, yeah, one,
1: of, one of us did, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I, and I actually did send him that article. So you know, maybe we'll include it in the show notes here too, but yeah, I laid out do it, exactly. Do some, do
0: some promotion for yourself. That's fine. Whatever you want
1: to do. <laughs> like that's just, exactly. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> and promote demand base, right? Yeah. they yeah, sponsor. Well, no, company. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 they are after, hey, that's for yeah, that's sure. exactly, exactly.
0: Um, I thought this was going to be like a slam dunk. Do this question, and it, it, it is. But we talked a lot more about it than I thought. So it, mm-hmm. it actually turned out to be a pretty good question. I like yeah, it. All yeah, yeah, right. heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan, what's your question?
2: Yeah, I got an interesting one. I get this a few times, but uh, I had somebody reach out and say, "I'm looking to get started in marketing operations. What kind of skills do I need to be attractive to hiring managers?"
0: Are we gonna? You just parroted my question. Is that what just happened. It's a similar. It's a
1: similar question. I mean, it's it's a similar, similar, similar. question.
0: <laughs> and it
2: was easy it? because it was already kind of done already.
0: <laughs> it is easy because you just made it up. Is what happened? <laughs> what happened? All right, read it again.
2: I'm looking to get started in marketing operations. What kind of skills to, do I need to be attractive to hiring managers? So if somebody right. just starting out, they want to figure out what kind of skills they need on their resume to make sure somebody's going to hire them.
0: Marketing operations specifically mm-hmm. is, is uh, I mean, HubSpot, Pardot experience, for sure. One of the two, right? Like, you can't, you can't exist without one of those two systems, basically. Um, I would say absolutely a background in marketing, <laughs> like having done marketing somewhere, somehow. By the way, I love operations people, marketing or otherwise, that have an SDR background, I think that's super valuable to just understand what it takes to actually convert a lead because it's, it's really mm-hmm, easy yeah. to say, hey, I'm going to work in marketing or marketing operations and like my job is to create leads. But like to actually understand what it takes to take a lead and turn it into a sales opportunity and then turn it into a closed deal makes you a better marketer. It makes you a better marketing operations person. And so if you can show me that, that you understand that or at least have some exposure to it, then, then that for sure stands out to me in the marketing operations space. And, and beyond that, it goes back to the same things of the other question. It's like problem solving and, and the ability to own your failures and being data-driven. Data-driven is probably even more important in marketing than anywhere else. And the other one that I would say that's more important there, ability to take feedback. Because it's so important for marketing to continue to iterate really, really fast on like different campaigns and different connections and different read, lead routings and all sorts of things. That feedback needs to come in a really fast way, and actually a person that solicits that feedback is is much better suited for marketing operations than a person who is waiting for it to be delivered.
1: Totally, like it. and and what what I would say, you know, marketing operations specifically, I'll, when I when I'm interviewing those candidates, a lot of what I'm really digging into is how well do they understand the funnel, how well can they do problem solving. Like I, I love to give them an exercise. Uh, well, there's there's a few exercises that I love to give them. It's like, you know, here's um, here is of course it's dummy data, but here's our funnel. Um, Something's wrong with our MQLs. Mm. How would you analyze that? I also love to give them uh, just a giant spreadsheet and say, hypothetically, we just got this list from, um, a, you know, a, a trade show. Yeah. Um, now clean this list and, and then send it back to me so that I could theoretically upload it to my CRM. So it
0: feels so important.
1: Yeah. So is. important. Yeah, it's it's like you know a lot of a lot of people are like ah, I'm I'm pretty good in an Excel and then it's and I send them this and then they they can't do like simple d dupes or like yeah. it's it's crazy yeah so I I would say one of the skills that you need to you know put on your resume and actually go learn like really get good at Excel like I I don't know too many marketing ops people who aren't in Excel even if they have you know a demand base background or you know they yeah. know Salesforce well like you're still working out of spreadsheets
0: totally like if you're I don't trust any ops person who doesn't know spreadsheets exactly like, <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't been forced to live that life you're not ready like <laughs> like that is because it is a hard thing that every ops person goes through at some point which is running a lot of things out of spreadsheets. It's super, super important. And it, it forces you to understand how to manipulate data, right? To yeah, like, exactly do the actual things, which is super powerful. I teach Jonathan things in spreadsheets all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and yeah, not not only manipulating the data, but actually drawing insights from it too, right? I think yeah. that's really the next level. Yeah. Right. yeah. Totally. It's it's definitely evolved into
2: a definitely more data focused role yeah. as time has moved on.
1: What's so, what was your
0: answer, Jonathan?
2: Yeah, I think you guys, you, know, you nailed a lot of it. I'd you didn't like,
0: even answer the question, you
2: just he's told He's waiting for, for us. I, well, I'm waiting for your answer so I can give him a better answer. <laughs> yeah, alright,
1: alright. That's what Jordan does with our with our answers, yeah. too. I so. usually take a call
0: with him, just so you guys know. Oh, you oh, can, oh, can, you like, probably like over half the time that I get a, this week on LinkedIn question, I actually will take a call with them so I can more, because typically I want to understand the question a little more before I would give a response. And so often I will just set up like a 15-minute conversation, let me ask a couple questions, then I can give you an answer and that's that's usually better for me um so if anybody listening if you send me this week on linkedin question you might get me to be on a phone call with you maybe maybe not (laughs) maybe you don't want that that's fine too don't send me a question then Uh, but
2: But to get (laughs) my answer i'll say data understanding data and data relationships between like between different objects especially as they pertain to your crm so most people that's going to be salesforce but if you don't have a deep understanding of those data relationships in Salesforce and how they come together, you're going to be walking an uphill battle right out of the gate. So that'd totally. be where I'd start. Secondly, obviously, you need to know marketing automation. You need to know how to put together workflows or journey builders, whatever the tool calls it. You need—I don't think you need to know every tool. You could use, you could learn Pardot, You could learn HubSpot. You could learn Marketing Cloud. If you learn one, you've you've got a pretty good understanding of them all. So that's probably the second most important to me
0: nice i like that by the way alex says that my call is worth a thousand dollars an hour and for everybody else, <laughs> I, I, bill, I bill in lawyer increments still it's six minute increments so six minutes is you know rounded up so i'm saying um, <laughs> so, there you so. Go. <laughs> um, but no i love the answer um cool anything else we want to do on that one before i go into the last
2: the other thing is what do you guys think about website development being in the marketing operations role sometimes you see oh, it sometimes you don't And I think originally it started out very heavy in the web development space. And obviously marketing operations is going to be involved in some capacity on the website, but it does seem like that's kind of branched out and web development's already kind of becoming its own thing. If I was
0: applying for a job in marketing operations and I didn't, and I had that background or didn't have that background, I would look at their, go to their LinkedIn and see if they have web developers on staff. Because if Mm -hmm. if they have them on staff, that background's not important, not as important, right? And if they don't have them on staff... Probably super important to highlight. Like, mm-hmm. it's a pretty easy, quick research thing to do on any business you're applying to. Is is like, is this skill important to them? Because if they have two web developers on staff and it's a hundred person company, you're never touching that. Like, mm-hmm. and if you are, you can learn it because you have two people there that can teach you, and so it becomes less important. But so I think I'm going to give the it depends answer on this <laughs> it depends on who they have on staff. I, yeah. I,
1: I do think it's a it, it's one of those kind of nice to haves. It, it can be a differentiator for you if you're up against someone who's very similar background, but don't have it. Um, But, I I mean, given that you have that background, I'm going to guess you have a a very strong uh, opinion (laughs) on the answer (laughs) that might differ from ours. It's the most important thing ever. No, No, I
2: definitely agree. I don't think it's a a necessary thing, but it's definitely something that helps. And I think, ideally, you're going to have somebody dedicated as a developer like we do internally, and then, your marketing operations role more works as an augmentation of that role as opposed to also taking on that role.
0: Love it. Cool. All right. You guys ready for the last question?
1: Uh, Let's see.
2: All right.
0: The last question, a bit more fun on this one is I, somebody messaged me. I think it's so important to keep the human side of the podcast going. I know nothing about Brandon period. I assume you, I assume you Jordan, are into hiking since your packs were in a video clip. I know Brandon is passionate about white walls and pricing. <laughs> there was no question here. But That's the message that I received. But I thought that it would be fun for us to do an age-old get-to-know-you exercise called Two Truths and a Lie.
2: Okay. And everybody okay. knows that
0: two truths and a lie is, anybody listening, I think you both do probably, because I think we do it here quite a bit, is you say three statements and the people around you have to guess which are true and which are, which two are true and which one is a lie. And so I can go ahead and start because you guys are going to have to think about yours, I'm sure. Although you might have them canned. I don't know. Um, but for sort of a fun way for people to get to know us, we'll like pause so that our audience can also guess which one's a truth and which one's a lie. And then they can all be wrong. So... <laughs> they can So... Uh, and if anybody gets it right, ping us and let me know that you got it right. Um, cool. So my two truths and a lie. Uh, I grew up on a cattle ranch in rural North Dakota. I'm a volunteer firefighter in the San Bernardino Mountains where my cabin is located. And I do trail upkeep and am a volunteer trail manager at an arboretum and lead nature tours for visitors.
1: Okay. I, I think I have my answer. Donovan?
2: Alec, Alec is um, I mute, think I have
0: unmuting and, and muting again. You you you're ready? All right, Brandon. What do you think's the what? What are the lie? What's the lie? Uh,
1: I I'm gonna say number two. The the firefighter, volunteer firefighter, Jonathan. That's also the one I want to go with.
0: That is the lie. I All was right. a I was a volunteer firefighter actually though until I was around twenty twenty two years old. But I was a volunteer firefighter many many years ago. I'm an old man now, so I don't want to do that. Just, <laughs> yeah. There's also a lot of fires in California. I don't need that on my on my stress level right now. But the other two are true. That is the lie.
2: It's right. a tough one of- to come cold on. We have to think of ours while we're going. I almost want it. Brandon, are you ready? Do you have three?
1: Um. Let's see. Give me one sec. Well, the audience is learning you neither are
0: quick on their toes. So. <laughs> they, should <laughs> they should know that, that already. really just cluing them into the realities of what it's like to run this podcast for me. <laughs> like.
1: uh, uh, okay, let's see. Um, I got mine.
0: All right, do it. Let's go.
1: I was the captain of my college hockey team. I can solve a Rubik's Cube in under a minute. And I visited 47 of the 50 states.
0: Like I, I think I know my lie, Jonathan. You can't just stare at the. I'm mic sorry. I was thinking. Talking, okay, give me that. Give me cause... those
2: three one more time. I've got my three now, though at least. Okay. <laughs> 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 okay.
0: Oh, our poor audience, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay. Um, I was captain of my college hockey team. I can solve Rubik's cube under a minute, and I visited 47 of the 50 states. Okay, I got mine. Alex got to put his in the chat too.
0: All right, so I think number three is the lie.
1: Alex says the states. Jonathan says I think it's two. Uh, Because that's hard. Uh, I the states is a lie. Yeah. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Jonathan knows nothing about you. I'm your best friend on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just assumed that you were like I. this is this is gonna sound like an insult because it is. Uh, the, 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 uh, I just assume you're that guy that like watched YouTube videos until you could figure out a Rubik's cube fast enough to like impress people as a party trick.
1: Yeah, like, I, I, it's a pretty easy party trick. I mean, Rubik's cube is like, pretty I, damn easy. You are
0: that guy, aren't you? You are. Well, so like, and then you tell them about the books you've read. While like,
1: like, <laughs> well, yeah, I tell them about the books while I do the Rubik's cube without looking. You know, love it. Oh, by All the way, right.
0: Alec totally got mine wrong. Alec, wow, he, he thought I got the only one to get it wrong. He got it wrong.
2: Which one did he guess?
0: He he thought it was uh, the last one for so Jordan. Was, he, he thought Jordan thought I was. A trail well. keep at an arboretum, and mm. I do actually do that. He thought that was the lie. Uh, uh, Heaps Peak Arboretum in the San Bernardino Mountains. I do volunteer there. I've like done some like digging out trenches to make the trees, you know, not get too saturated, that sort of stuff, and do some trail tours.
1: Yeah,
2: Jonathan. Hmm, damn it! I screwed up already. All right, we'll give you a sec. We'll give you a
1: second. We'll we'll edit so out the, t- you on the.
0: How fast are you on the Rubik's cube while Jonathan does this? Because it's got to be faster than Jonathan coming up with three simple. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there is yeah, there's
1: a Rubik's cube right there. All right, let's, do it. let's bring, bring it out. Let's do it on video. <laughs> the let's
0: see if you can get it before Jonathan's ready. <laughs> It'll be like the jeopardy theme song. Okay, I got you now. <laughs> All right.
2: I was an audio engineer, I grew up in Kansas, or I lived in Boston, Massachusetts.
0: God, it's tricky, because the Kansas thing, like, I know you lived there, but did you grow up in Missouri or Kansas? Because Kansas City is in Missouri, not the state of Kansas, which is a tricky thing. But (laughs) the Boston one, you've never mentioned Boston before, and so... Uh, let me think about this one, Brandon. You know, I, I, I'm gonna say
1: Boston is the lie.
0: Uh, Alec, what are you putting in there?
1: Alec, Alec says Boston.
0: Alec says Boston. Uh, man, I feel like it's. I feel like it's. I know. Be- it's
1: maybe that's a trick question. because he, li-
0: he lived in Kansas City, Missouri. It's Kansas. That's my answer.
2: It's the Boston. Ah,
0: it's the Boston. You, just, you just drove across the river every day? Is that what no, this means?
2: I, So I grew up in Kansas. Uh, my family lived in the suburbs on the Kansas side. So there's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri. It's the most uh, confusing thing in the world. Yeah. Everybody gets it. The Kansas it City,
0: up. Kansas is much smaller than the Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. The, the Chiefs are located in Missouri. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. But so like if you look at it like in LA, like Orange County is kind of like... The Kansas side. So you're like Kansas you're City, like, like
0: Nudy Kansas. It, there are parts of where <laughs> yeah. I grew yeah, up yeah.
2: that were very like that. Not where I was, and it's gotten worse. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure, sure, sure.
0: Exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> this explains a lot. But
0: silence is actually judgment. Is now what I <laughs> um, cool. Alec, our producer. Do you want to do two three two truths and Yeah, line? let's do it. Okay, so Alex says, I used to – I can't believe he's making me read these.
1: <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> his, his audio, audio sucks anyway. Yeah, he's,
0: <laughs> All right. I used to produce movies. I was stabbed in Vietnam. I have the ability to suntan. It's it's not three <laughs> lies. Like, <laughs> not, it, I know you don't have the ability to suntan.
1: So, I know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's got to be that one. You
0: definitely weren't stabbed in Vietnam. <laughs> i love this i guess i'm gonna say vietnam maybe you think you can Tan. i don't
1: dude
2: i'm just saying how do you know it's not like call of duty vietnam so it's technically
0: (laughs) i i'm gonna he says suntan all (laughs) right in vietnam
1: what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to hear it after He's your next one. Right.
0: All right. Long story for another episode. <laughs> Alex was stabbed in Vietnam and we're going to end there. The first <laughs> I, I think we learned
1: that we're all terrible li- liars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, that's very true. All right. Well, I guess uh, thank you guys for, uh, for humoring the first office hours podcast, everybody listening, send us your questions. And if you can, record them in audio and we will play them and then answer them on the podcast because that Ooh, will be way fancy. more fun than us reading them off and that'll make Alec work a whole lot more because he has to edit that together for us which is just enjoyable for me to do so <laughs> if you can if you can do that for me follow us on LinkedIn give us five stars on the podcast and thank you all very much for for uh, getting through the first office hours episode see everybody next week
1: thanks guys that was fun bye guys